Hello and welcome back to the Zedcast. This is uh, the return special, as I, uh, last episode was, uh, might have been the last episode, but um, it's not the last episode because there's this episode and I'm returning and uh, yeah, we'll just see where it goes from here. Uh, in today's video, I'm going to be trying to, well, it's not a video, it's a podcast, see, I'm not very good at this podcasting thing, you all know that, uh, my dedicated listeners, and I'm sure you're all still listening after all this time. So, in today's podcast, I'm going to be doing a sort of countdown of my favourite films and albums of the year, and I think they'll be interesting because, uh, 2022, well, it was, a uh, an interesting year, I think it uh, had a lot of a lot of high notes and a lot of no low notes, at least in terms of films and music. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good year overall, I think. Uh, of course, uh, in referring strictly to films and music, but um, yeah, let's uh, let's see what is on the list, shall we? We'll start off with the best films of the year, and uh, it was a good year, 2022, in terms of films. Uh, I saw quite a few, maybe 50 or so. Now, obviously, I can't see every single 2022 movie, so there are still a lot of films that I haven't seen from 2022. So if your favourite uh, isn't on the list, it's a good chance I just haven't seen it. So uh, we'll start off with number 10, which is a film from George Miller, the director of Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, and Mad Max Fury Road. And that is 3,000 Years of Longing. This is a film I really, really enjoy. I think it's a very creative film, and I think it's a very beautiful film, really. The film is very loose on plot, uh, but it essentially boils down to this lonely woman who is given a chance to fulfill her heart's desire, and uh, she sort of has to figure out what that is. Uh, the film really, though, is about uh, loneliness and desire and longing, and uh, I think it tackles those themes in a really interesting and mature way, while also being uh, very funny and entertaining and... Um, really just a, a creative film. It's very expansive and it spans lots of different time periods and uh, weaving together lots of different stories. Uh, it's really a film of characters telling stories and um, I think this sort of uh, big budget adult contemporary film is uh, not not really found very often so I commend this film for being so uh, singular and so dedicated to uh, being what it is, which is uh, is something that um, that's not going to appeal to everybody, but uh, it uh, does appeal to me, certainly. I, uh, I think you'll be able to tell from listening to this, I am trying to get back into the groove of making podcasts, and uh, it is difficult, especially with one person, and I feel like I'm complaining about this every episode, and it, it's partially the reason I uh, I stopped doing the podcast in the first place, is because when you only have one person, it's very hard to uh, keep the momentum going. When you're listening to a podcast, you don't want to be listening to uh, gaps of silence, and of course, you can edit that out in uh, post-production, but um, I really can't be bothered to do such a thing. 
So for me, it's very difficult to uh, run this podcast all by myself. But I think and uh, I hope that if I can continue to make episodes, even if the episodes are, say, really bad and, like, unlistenable quality, which I think, objectively, at this point, they are, I think if I keep going and I am dedicated and I push past that, I can make maybe an episode that's a good episode. And if I can do that, if I can make one good episode, surely I can make another good episode. And if I keep doing eventually I think I'll get something workable. I think so I'll get to a point where the podcast is good. It's a good podcast. Maybe not now, and uh, maybe not ever, but uh, I think if I push forward, I can. And obviously that's going to mean... It's going to mean awkward phases, it's going to mean, mean lots of transitionary periods where maybe listening to it isn't the most appealing thing, but uh, I need to keep going, and uh, I feel like I'm just repeating myself here, but I think I think in, the, in terms of the future of the podcast, because you're probably wondering, this is the big return episode, what's happening from the podcast from here, I think I will have guests on, I don't think I will necessarily be able to find a permanent co-host at this point. But I do think I'll have guests on and I think having someone to bounce off of will improve the podcast. So we'll see where it goes from now. At number nine is a film that I think was really failed by the studio that distributed it, which I believe was A24. They really did not market this film. It got its popularity purely through Mouth of Word and it had a pretty good Mouth of Word. I heard very good reviews so I checked it out and that is, uh, you might not have heard of this, Funny Pages. This is a film that came out uh, in 2022, an indie movie. It's very, very good, and it's very, very mean. It's a mean-spirited, dark comedy. It's um, it's about this young kid who sort of wants to go his own way in the world. He uh, he wants to be a comic book artist, and it's we sort of just watch him making the wrong choices over and over again. We, we see him deal with the consequences of his actions in very uh, morbid and hilarious ways. And it's a very charming movie. It's, uh, it's the sort of thing that I think, uh, I think a lot of movies go for, but they can't, really, they can't really get the right balance. And I think this film really nails what it's going for. And uh, I think you'll immediately tell if you like it, because it's a film that not everyone's going to like, because essentially... The main character is incredibly unlikable. There are a lot of unlikable characters in this movie, but especially the main character. And the movie understands that the main character is unlikable. That's sort of the point. But if you don't like listening to and watching an unlikable character, it might not appeal to you that much. But uh, do get, do check it out because it's very funny and it's very good. Speaking of word of mouth, I think the next film is uh, really the film that has the most incredible word of mouth campaign I've seen in a long time. I was hearing about this movie before it even came out, and when it did, over time it was just gradually getting more and more and more popular because of people watching it and recommending it to other people. And that is, I'm sure you will have guessed what I'm talking about, because it's not the sort of movie that gets very popular, at least in the Western world as much as it has uh, very often, and that is RRR at number 8, and this is a great film, I don't think I need to tell you that, uh, there have been a lot of people who have been tirelessly campaigning for this movie to win, and oh boy has it been winning so far, it's been winning awards, it's been winning accolades, and most of all it's been winning critical acclaim, and that's because it is everything that people say it is, it's funny, it's fresh, 
it's exciting, it's entertaining. Entertaining is a word that really applies here because it's three hours long, but uh, you do not feel the length. You will want to watch it again. I want to watch it again. I've only seen it once, but uh, I am still willing to give it another go, especially with other people. It's the sort of movie that you want to show people because it's that good. You want to see how they experience it and watch them experience it for the first time. And that kind of movie is so, so special, really. Next is a movie that uh, got a lot of anticipation, it got a lot of hype for it, but uh, it sort of disappointed a lot of people when it came out, and uh, I don't think that applies to me. I was not disappointed by this film at all. In fact, I really enjoyed it, and that is Crimes of the Future. It is the new Cronenberg film. And uh, what I like about this is not only its message, which um, I could get into a whole different <laughs> rant about its message and uh, its meaning and uh, how I think it applies to the world today, but uh, just because of I think it's it's a very it's got a nice vibe, you know, and that that seems like a uh, not a very good praise for a film and uh, not something that would necessarily warrant a seven on a list but I do think it has a very good vibe I think it's a very uh, it's a very good film to sort of live in for a while you, you really feel this world and you feel the atmosphere and I think Cronenberg has gone very good over his career at crafting an atmosphere crafting a dedicated like world to live in when you're watching the movie and I think that uh, that is my favorite aspect of this film and that is why I enjoyed it so much because you really it's you're really sucked into the story that is being told which really it's not about the story it's yeah it's about the atmosphere and I think that's what really made me rank it so highly also that and you know the story and other aspects of it. At number six we have one of the highest grossing films of all time. I think it's at number six highest grossing of all time. Maybe number five now. I haven't been keeping up. And that is uh, of course Avatar The Way of Water. The most anticipated movie for a long time. It's been anticipated for what 14-15 years now. It's been a long long time and uh, I'll be honest I was I was a little on the fence originally about this movie and and more so about the first one because I remember sort of being a not an avatar hater but a, an avatar questioner I guess I was like is it really what it's cut out to be because I had only seen it on television but uh, I saw an IMAX, I saw the IMAX re-release before this movie came out, and oh boy, I completely changed my tune about Avatar. I love the first Avatar now because I get it, because I saw it in theatres in that massive screen. And uh, I'm sad, unfortunately, I didn't get to see Avatar The Way of Water in IMAX, but I did see it in theatres and I did really, really enjoy it. I think it took everything from the first movie and really built upon it, uh, and really, what I hear most when people talk about this movie, and I hear everybody say this, is they say, the story aspects I didn't really like, but the technical aspects, oh wow, that really blew me away. And in a sense, I agree. I mean, I agree that the technical aspects of the film are mind-blowing. I mean, 
I don't, I don't know what even I can say about it uh, that hasn't been said over and over and over and over again by everybody. But really, the world of Pandora and how much effort and time has been put into crafting every aspect of creating this world is mind-blowing. It is, and it's astonishing. And I can see why for a lot of people that is enough, just sell them on the movie. But really, story-wise, people, you know, they, they are quick to to sh shut down the story and say, oh, this story isn't very good. But I enjoyed the story. I think, sure, it's a bit cliched. It's a bit melodramatic. It's a bit clunky. It's a bit cheesy. You can, you can, ex you can say all these things, but the heart is there. And I think that's the most important story of a, a part of a story like this. And I think it does pull off the story. And I think the storytelling part of the way the story is told is very good as well. So I kind of disagree with that sort of general consensus I've noticed. I think it is an excellent film all, all around. Perhaps the most uh, not controversial, or maybe controversial, polarising film, I guess, of the year, and one that has certainly been talked about, uh, is number five, uh, is Tar. Now, I was first sold on this movie, and uh, I think a lot of people were, like, w when it was uh, still in its film festival run, I believe, I heard it talked about as uh, the cancel culture movie. It was a movie about cancel culture. And when you hear that, it sounds really bad, <laughs> but it's not. And uh, that is not uh, what the movie is like at all, and that's not really what the movie's about. It's a it's a character study. I'd I'd say that it's a character study about a um, a very complicated figure, and I think what's both the a, a shining quality of the film and almost a curse of the film is how every person watching it is going to have a very different interpretation of the meaning of the film, the message of the film, and uh, you know the actions of the characters, how justifiable they are. Now, I'm not going to go into <laughs> what I think about certain scenes, like the Juilliard scene, which is by far the most talked about scene. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to, you know, talk, talk about that, because I don't think that that's really productive. I don't think that the, the way people talk about those things is really doing the film justice in any way. That's what I think what we, what should be at least more talked about is, you know, how good the actual story itself, uh, how good the actual film is. The story is very good too, and the way all the the different aspects of the film are set up, uh, and how we sort of see this uh, fall from grace happen, and we can see how it happens, we can see, we know why the characters act the way they do, because we know so much about the characters themselves. But uh, also the technical aspects, the cinematography is fantastic. The uh, score is very good. The acting, the performances are incredible. It's a very, very well-made film, and it's a very patient film. Uh, some might complain it's a bit too slowly paced. I did not think that at all. I think it's so good to watch a film in 2022 that is patient, that is not pandering to the audience, that takes time to, to let the audience breathe and let them soak in all the fantastic aspects of the film, like the cinematography, like the acting. We can really take our time and enjoy the experience, and I, I think that is a rarer and rarer quality in movies.
Now, uh, going back to the theme of uh, the future of the Zcast and ideas I have for the Zcast, <laughs> I just wanted to mention, um, originally my idea for this episode was, uh, you know, because I'm doing a grand, you know, oh, the Zcast is back, wow, yay, I was going to introduce a uh, video aspect of the Zcast, because I podcasts nowadays, like, they're not just audio, <laughs> they have video aspects of it and I was like I could do that I could edit videos you know it'd take more time it'd put take more effort but it would it would be better because I could upload them to YouTube as well I could get more different uh viewer engagement and stuff like that uh so I think that is something that could possibly happen in the future but as I started recording the episode I was like okay I'm stopping and starting so much because if I literally you know stop talking uh for even like a second, it's like, okay, now I have to do this take again, or I have to cut this bit out, and I'm trying to sync, because I'm recording this audio on my phone, I don't have a microphone yet, I think I'm going to get a microphone, that's another thing I want to get, is a microphone, uh, but I have two, div- I have the audio file, and I have the video file, and I can sync them, but if I'm going to have to keep cutting stuff out, it's going to make it, it's going to make the editing a very long process, and, uh, yeah, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm up for that just yet. So, I think at one point I'm going to add the video and I'm going to do that, but it's just not, I'm just not there yet. And uh, there are a lot of th- different things and ideas and plans I have for the Zcast, but uh, I just need to take it one step at a time, I think. I just, I, I need to, I think the most important thing is making sure I, I actually get the episodes out. Even if they're not very good, which sounds bad now that I'm saying it, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't care if they're good or not, I just need to get them out, but it's true in a sense, I, I don't know how to convey what I'm saying is, I need to have episodes out, because even if they're bad, they'll become good at some point, if I keep doing it, you, you make mistakes and you learn from the mistakes, and that's what I need to do, I need to be dedicated enough to continue the podcast, and to get good, and to continue all these, all, all these other things as well, but that's the most important thing, it's just doing it, and I think at some point it will become better than it is right now. Number four is a film I never thought I would even be putting on this list at all. This is an animated film, and it's a film that shocked everyone when it came out, because it was not only good, but incredibly good and uh, I think we know what film we're talking about here it's Puss in Boots 2 Puss in Boots The Last Wish I haven't even seen the first Puss in Boots movie I like the Shrek films I I, I didn't even like Puss in Boots in the Shrek films I thought you know it's a sort of a one-note character it's one joke it's uh it's not a particularly funny joke either but um holy Holy, 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 holy. Oh my gosh. This is a great, great, great film. This is... Sp- Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a fantastic movie, but the best thing about it was not the movie itself, which is, mind you, one of my favourite films, but the effect it has had on animation as a medium. Because it showed producers, it showed studios that if you put in the effort, you will reap the rewards and... That sort of motivated studios to make these zany, creative, incredibly well-animated studio animated films. And it's incredible. It's really, really, really good. The animation style, it's not worried about looking photorealistic or whatever 
crap that uh, studios want want from animated movies. It's worried about looking and feeling like alive and being an anime. It's utilizing the medium in a way that you see so little nowadays and it's infuriating that you see it but at the same time it's infuriating that you don't see this uh, uh, you used to not but now like a Puss in Boots movie is this good it's the fourth I genuinely believe it's not only one of the best films of this year 2022 last year I mean when I'm recording this but uh one of the best films of the decade so far. It's it's incredible. It's a really, and uh, I don't even know. Not, not okay. I'm I'm talking a lot about the animation because the animation is very good, but what I was also struck by was it's not like it was a a mediocre movie with fantastic animations like uh, that Mitchell's and the Machines because that's what I think Mitchell's and the Machines was. Great animation movie itself, not very good, but. This movie, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, it's not just that. It's a fantastic story. It's very well written. The characters' arcs are powerful. The the motivations for each of the characters are fleshed out. You you know, it tackles themes that uh, kids' movies would really be shy shy away from, be scared of tackling. But uh, it does it in a mature. It does it in a a thought-provoking and moving way and it's it's really a film about mortality it's a film about accepting mortality it's a film about fear of commitment it's a film about all these things and it tackles them in such a such a good way <laughs> and you forget you're even watching you're like this is a Puss in Boots movie and it's it's let's just say my expectations for the new Shrek movie whenever it comes out because it teases uh this is not a spoiler alert, I guess. It teases there's a new Shrek movie coming and oh my gosh. Um if it's any if it's like ten percent as good as this, it's gonna be really good. The Master returns with and I'm ref when I say the Master I'm referring to Park Chan Wook with a decision to leave. I actually don't know what I can even say about this movie. Apart from the fact that it is my favourite theatre experience I had in 2022. I went to a New Zealand film festival to watch this. And uh, really, really good. Really, 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 really. I'm I feel, you know, I'm, I'm just making this up on the a spot. You know, I'm recording this whole episode. I'm, I'm, I don't have a script. I don't have anything. I'm just making it up as I go. And it's hard to make things up when you can't stop to think. Because you don't want any gaps. But uh, Decision to Leave is... What can I say about it? I think... I, I, don't, I don't want to just go on about the cinematography. But I'll go on the cinematography for a bit. Because the way this movie is shot is so creative. And the way this movie is edited as well. has some fantastic editing things. And it, uh, it does a lot of things that, uh, that films usually get quite bad. They don't do very well. And that's uh, you know characters using iPhones... I don't think movies have really figured out how to, you know, film that, how to edit that, but this movie does it very well. And, um, yeah, I'll go on about the story, because the story is probably the best part of it as well. The very, very good story. I enjoyed the story as, as well. It's like a uh, detective story, and it's also a love story. And uh, 
the way things unfold is very, very satisfying, and the way the story goes is, uh, I, I didn't, I could never see where it was going, like, maybe other more in-tune audiences can, oh, I knew exactly where this was going, I didn't know where it was going, I liked where it went, and I especially loved the ending, but the whole movie uh, was really, really good. <laughs> it's rendered me unable to say anything, so uh, I'll just say watch it. Do. When Jordan Peele first came onto the scene, he did it really with... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I need to stop saying just good for everything, like everything's just good, but when, when you, you know... As I was trying to explain earlier, when you're speaking, like, when you're making things up and you can't stop, like, you're not going to come, you're not going to be the most verbose, you're not going to have the most uh, brilliant adjectives, you're not going to have the most perfect summation of a movie, but um, when Jordan Peele made Get Out, he proved to the world that he was a, we already knew he was a funny guy because he's doing sketch comedy and he, he's a very funny guy. But he, we also knew he was able to make a movie that is scary as well as funny. Uh, and Get Out, I love Get Out. Get Out's really, really good. But when he made Us, Us was also good. I liked Us. I think Us is good. I think, uh, but it was messy. And that's something that I wouldn't describe Get Out was messy. Like, Get Out was lean, it was tight, it knew what it was, it knew what it wanted to say, it knew what it wanted to do. Us was almost sloppy. It, it, it had lots of ideas and lots of things it wanted to say, and uh, it wasn't the best in executing those, and nowhere near as good as executing those themes and ideas as Get Out was. So uh, I think I was a bit skeptical of the new Jordan Peele movie, but I was excited, and I was anticipating it, and let's just say, oh my god, it blew my socks off, uh, and I'm of course referring to the second, the second film on this list, uh, Nope. Nope is the first movie in a long, 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 long time that has actually terrified me, I watch a lot of horror movies. I watch a lot of the most. I, I you know, I go on lists I found. Type up most disturbing movie. You know, I've seen I've seen your cannibal holocausts. I've seen your um, I, I can't even think of the top of the head. I've seen martyrs, and you know, I've seen movies that are shocking. I've seen movies that are disturbing, controversial. But they don't, they, you know, I've I thought I've become desensitized. I thought I couldn't be scared by a movie anymore, but. Something about this movie genuinely, like, unnerved me, unsettled me. <laughs> but at the same time, it still manages to be a really fun time and a really entertaining theatre experience and one that I wanted to, you know, go to again. I, I didn't get to go to it again. But uh, there are images and there are scenes in this movie that I think are genuinely imprinted in my psyche. Like, I'm not going to burn out some of the, the things in this movie. And what I love, love, love about this movie so much is what it has to say about Hollywood. And th the thing is, when you're watching a Jordan Peele movie, you know, like, okay, there's going to be some social commentary in here. What's the social commentary? Get Out was not subtle with its social commentary. It didn't need to be. It wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't trying to be. 
Um, but this movie, nope, you know, it is densely layered with symbolism, is densely layered with, you know, ideas and commentaries and things it has to say about uh, an all variety of things. You expect it's going to be about racism because it's John Peel and his movies deal with racism, and it, I think in a some not a in in, a, in some part definitely it is about that, but it's also about uh, it's about exploitation in general and how Hollywood exploits people and how it, it turns things into spectacle. Spectacle is the big word. It, it, it I really love the Bible quote uh, it uses at the, the beginning of the movie. I can't remember where it was from. Uh, and I will cast abominable filth upon you and I'll turn you into a spectacle. Great quote. Uh, unnerving, unsettling, uh, but really tells you and prepares you for what the movie is trying to say about exploitation in Hollywood and, um, you know, and and the business, and the biz, showbiz, you know, and, uh, oh, I, I didn't even mention the two lead performances, uh, Kiki Palmer especially is really good, um, but, uh, every performance in this movie is good, like, uh, I'm not gonna just, I, I mean, I did just name a name, but, like, every, it would be pointless, because I'd just be listing the cast, everyone does a great, great job in this movie, really, really really good loved it love it see it watch it if you haven't seen it watch it what will number one be we're all wondering especially me oh that rhymed i didn't even mean for that to rhyme okay enough mucking around number one is the fablemans i okay spielberg is spiel he's steven spielberg okay what what more is there to say there's sort of an attitude, and there's sort of not an attitude, but there sort of is, among, you know, you, you watch a lot of movies and you're like, do I still like Steven Spielberg, you know? Is Steven Spielberg, like, even good, you know, because he's so loved, maybe he's actually secretly not good. Maybe I'm going to be a contrarian and not like Steven Spielberg. And uh, it's tempting to have that attitude, I think, at some point. Because there are things, there are negative things that I think hold quality weight like criticisms against his work but at the same time he's Steven Spielberg like like it or not Jaws is one of the best movies ever made like it or not Indiana Jones is one of the best movies ever made and like it or not most of his films are really 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 good of course he has terrible movies and you know I thought I thought that Steven Spielberg had kind of fell off. I thought, okay, he's been making movies a long time. It's fair enough that he would become bad. Like, Ready Player One was ass. It was ass chicks. It was so bad. It was terrible. It was an awful film. But he hasn't. He hasn't stopped being Steven Spielberg because he's Steven Spielberg. You don't stop being Steven Spielberg. And he still has a great, great movie in him. And that movie is The Fablemans. And it's taken him a while to make a movie about his life. And that's fair enough because, you know, you want that to be... Like, I don't know if this is going to be his last movie. I think it might be because it feels like it is, you know. When you make a movie about your life, it's like that's probably going to be your last movie. And if it is, 
fair game, you know. He's been making movies for a long time. And if it is, what a note to go out on. Because this is one of my favourite films, I think. Like, it's in my top 100 of all time. Because... I don't even know what I don't even know what to say about it. Like, this is the sort of thing that it's been done before, like a lot of times, but it's never been done like this. I don't think. And there are specific scenes I could talk about, but I don't want to spoil it. Like, the hallway scene, like just saying the hallway scene. That's not a spoiler. That's my favorite scene of the year, and I know this is my favorite movie of the year. That's a great scene. I love that scene because it encapsulates so much of what makes the movie great. And it encapsulates so much about, you know, it's cliche to make a movie about loving cinema. But this movie is so good at encapsulating why people love cinema and why, you know, why to love cinema. And I think, uh, I think in that regard... It's a masterpiece. I think it's a masterpiece of of cinema. And it sounds pretentious to say. It sounds... It, it's corny, but... You know, Steven Spielberg movies, they are corny. They can be corny. This movie is corny, but it's so sincere. And it's it pulls off this corniness because of its sincerity. And it's brilliant. Okay, uh, I don't know how the episode has been so far. I don't know about the audio quality. Now, I'm recording on a phone, so the audio quality is going to be quite bad. And I know my uh, my voice is annoying um, anyway. But uh, I think once I get a microphone, if I do get a microphone, that will probably increase the audio quality. So anyway, music, number 10, Blue Rev by Always. When I was talking about in movies, I was talking about... Uh, Word of mouth. This is definitely a word of mouth release because I would I've never heard of Always, but I have heard of this album, and that is because it had a very good word of mouth. Like people would listen to this and they'd recommend it to other people, and uh, I just saw people talking about it and I uh, checked it out, and I'm glad I did because this is a fantastic indie record. Uh, it has touches of shoegaze, it has touches of dream pop, you know, all these different genres, but it's, it's, it's something wholly, it's unique, it's something that's entirely its own thing, uh, and it, it gets a bit samesy over, over the course of the record, but uh, its high notes are very high. Oh, and I just want to, I just want to point out, uh, I just want to point out, I, I've listened to quite a few records from 2022, uh, this was very shoddily made, like, quickly, I just chucked a bunch of stuff together, like, uh, I don't even, I'm not that confident with this list, anyway, but number nine, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, Denzel Curry, I know I've put this in the ninth spot, which is good, but, like, I really, I don't think I loved this album, you know, like everyone else did, like, I love Denzel Curry, and I think he's a fantastic rapper, and, uh, I love most of his other albums, uh, and this is very clearly, like, this is an evolution, this is a step up, this is a new phase of his career, and it's one that I think is very impressive, uh, but nothing about it really stands out to me, but, like, at the same time, like, I'm putting it number nine, like, the songs themselves are very, very good, the rapping, the, okay, my favorite part about it is the lyrical improvement, like, Denzel Curry, he, he 
he he's like um he's been a thoughtful rapper like especially on taboo but he's never really gone this far and this is such a mature maturation for him thematically and lyrically and uh what he conveys in his lyrics especially the opening track especially uh some of the other tracks you know the the i was blown away by like how what how you know like um mature it was how 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 good of a rapper <laughs> Denzel Curry is I was blown away by that number eight is perhaps the most rate your music album of the year is Hellfire by Black Midi I really like Hellfire I really liked uh whatever the last one was called Boulder Dash or whatever it was called it wasn't called that I forgot what it was called uh, and I really liked the one before that. And uh, the band, as they've gone on, have gone more and more proggy. <laughs> like, this is super, super proggy. This is super jazzy. This is super, like, they they get more and more chaotic, but they still, you know, it still feels cohesive, you know, even though it's incredibly chaotic. Uh, this didn't have as many standouts, like, the album so far, the quality's been good, but uh, the reason they're lower on the list is because they don't have standout songs, you know, it's, it, it works better as a whole than, you know, you pick a song and you listen to it, like, I don't have this thing on repeat, but the whole thing, you know, taken as a whole is very, the, the quality is very high. Queen B herself returned in 2022 with Renaissance, which uh, the single to this album is, uh, holy hell is it good, Break My Soul. That is one that uh, is definitely a standout. I was talking about the last three records, not really any songs that stand out to me. Break My Soul is a song that stands out to me because it's a, it's a, it's a banger, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's straight up like that's, that's all there is to it, uh, and, you know, you could lobby a complaint, like, she's sort of, you know, pretending to be, like, <laughs> something she's very clearly not, like, she's Beyonce, she's, she's playing a character on the song, and, uh, but I think she does pull it off, like, it's for, the, the character she's portraying is for the people who are listening to the song, and I think, you know, there, there's a way to do it, and I think she does it, it's tasteful, I do think. And, uh, you know, the album itself, not just the single, the album itself is almost all as good as that song, like, and that's a high, high bar, and it flows together really well, it's, you know, you know, Drake dropped it, dropped a similar album, I think, a bit before, and, uh, <laughs> when Renaissance dropped, it really showed you how to do the sound in a good way, and, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. Number six is an album I think a lot of people forgot about. Actually, no, that's number five. Number six is Ten by West Side Gun. People have not forgotten about this album. This is the tenth album in uh, in a series. I'm not going to say the name of the series. But uh, it's a series of mixtapes he's been dropping. Or albums. I forgot if they're mixtapes or albums. Whatever, this could be in a mixtape te technically. I don't know. It's an album, mixtape, same thing pretty much. You know, it's a great, it's a great project. It's the first one. I haven't listened to any of the others, but uh, if this, I'm pretty sure, from what I've heard, this is the best one, and uh, I'd, I'd believe that because uh, the features on this are great, the beats are great. Westside 
is not not so great. Like he's he's a limited rapper. Like he can do a good verse, so he can do a good feature on the song, but he can't really hold down a whole album to himself. And he knows that. That's why he's got so many great features. But he pretty much gets out rapped on every song. But uh, you know the beats are great, flows are great, features are great. That this so there are a lot of bangers on here. Uh, a lot of ones you'll be going back to, you know. So in that regard, good album. And uh, as I was saying before, but uh, I got confused a bit. This is number five is now. I think a lot of people forgot. I haven't forgot it. It's sick by Earl Sweatshirt. Um, Earl Sweatshirt might be my favorite rapper. Uh, because he is a fantastic lyricist. His lyrics have so much to chew on. You can write whole essays about just one verse, <laughs> pretty much, from any part of his career. And uh, there's a whole ocean of depth to swim in. And this album sees him sort of meeting fans in the middle, you know? Like, he's been going more and more on his own path. And uh, that culminated with an album that really a lot of people didn't like like hated pretty much which was feet of clay which is actually an ep i think but then there was deluxe version which was an album uh i don't mind feet of clay but i do prefer sick i think um because it, it, it it's him doing a more trap sound it's him doing a more mainstream sound but the beats are still very good uh generally and earl lyrically is still he's he's up there <laughs> he's still earl he's he can still make a great verse, uh, so I think this album's great, I don't know why people seem so indifferent toward it, well I do, kinda, but uh, I'm not, I like it. Speaking, speaking of great rappers, Pusha T dropped an album in 2022, it's almost dry, and uh, this is a fantastic project, beats is great, flows are great, Pusha T is a killer rapper, and like, his verses are so cold, like, he, when he does a bar, like, he can do, like, a triple entendre, like, it's, it's incredible, I don't even know if I pronounced that word right, entendre, entendre, is that even, a, yeah, yeah, I think I got it right, maybe, See, that's the thing about, you know, if you only read a word and you haven't heard anyone say it, you, you won't necessarily know how to say it. Uh, and if you if there's a word you've more so been introduced so re to recently, you're not even going to be completely sure you understand what the word means unless you've looked it up. So uh, I'm talking more about the word entendre than I am the album, but uh, the album is very good. Speaking of rappers who are very good, Kendrick Lamar dropped an album in 2022, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. This is an album that, uh, when it first came out, people loved it. Then people were like, hold on, is this good? And then people were like, uh, yes, it is good. And it is good, because it is good. It's great, even. I think it's great. I think it's better than Damn which I don't think that's controversial because Damn wasn't very good, but this is good. This sees Kendrick really become introspective. <laughs> and, you know, oh, Kendrick being introspective, like, it's to be expected, but uh, the way he does it on this album is, it's more self-critical than anything he's done before. Uh, well, and he's made self-critical songs before, definitely. 
But uh, he's shining a critical light. He's he's looking at his place in the world. He's looking at his place in the rap scene, especially on the feature, which isn't even on the album. That uh, not feature the single. Sorry, uh, the heart part five, which I could harp on about that song, but that's not on the album. We're focusing on the album. The album is sonically. It is really really weird it's odd it's strange the beat on worldwide steppers is it, it takes you back at first it's like what is happening what is even the sound i'm pretty sure it's a piano but it doesn't sound anything like a piano i've heard before but uh when you go back to it and when you listen to it again you become in tune with each different part of the album and its intricacies and its idiosyncratic nature and uh once you've gotten used to it, you've realised that you like it a lot. Or you might not. I realise with each listen, I come to appreciate it for what it is, you know. And I, I'm not, I, I stop, you know, worrying about what I was hoping for or what I was expecting from it. Uh, and just learning to appreciate it for what it is, you know. Like, and I really do appreciate it more. Originally the song Rich Spirit, I didn't care for it, but now I do care for it. I like it a lot. You know, there are bangers on it, definitely. There's N95 or whatever. There's, you know, there are songs that are just straight up, you know, going to be hits. But there's really nothing that's like, I'm going to like, there's no uh, humble on it, you know. Each song is more experimental, weird and I think it benefits all the more from it. Next, Blade and Echo 2K with the album Crest. Don't really have much to say about this at all. It's just uh, very... <laughs> I just like Blade. I like Echo 2K. And them coming together for an album is surely a good thing in my opinion. Especially the song Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I have had that song on repeat. That's That song alone is a massive factor on why I rank this album so highly. In fact, I might not even like that album that mu this much, apart from the song <laughs> Girls Just Wanted to Have Fun. I just included it because... I just put this album so high because in the moment I was like, yeah, that song. And it's not like the only song I like. I like The Flag Is Raised as, as well. I like a lot of songs on here. Uh, it's probably not actually my second. I'd probably rank it a bit lower, but... Uh, holy. Its high points are higher, I, I think, than any... I think it has the some of the best songs in either of their respective careers. I would go so far. And number one is the album Ugly Death, No Redemption, Angel Curse, I Love You. Quite a wordy title, and uh, this is from Ada Rook. And, uh, oh boy, I've had this on album on repeat, and I mean on repeat. I've, there are so many songs on here. I've listened to again and again and again and again, and I don't get sick of them. In fact, I like them more with each return, and that is why I've ranked this album as my number one, because I listen to it over and over and over again, because I love it. I love it. I love its lyrics. I love its performances. I love its incredibly strange and odd electronic rock sort of uh, pop, <laughs> dance, metal fusions, and uh, it is wholly original, it is something completely its own, I've never heard anything like it, and I love it, 
I love it, love it, love it. It's a great album. You should check it out. It might not be your thing, but it might be. And okay, that is the Zedcast. That is the return of the Zedcast. I think I might continue with this, hopefully, because I want to get better at it. I want it to be good, and I think if I can get to, say, 100 episodes, it'll be good, eventually, at some point. Okay, that's it.